Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through, G for, through Christ our Lord, amen. I don't know if my microphone is working. Um, is it? Okay. <laughs> Couldn't tell at first. <laughs> Want to make sure everyone could hear. Um, before we begin our scripture reading today, I just wanted to remind people of what has just happened before our lesson. Naomi is moving, and she just told her two daughters-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, to leave her and return to their families. Here's what happens next. So Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, Naomi said no more to Ruth. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? Naomi said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Disney Pixar released the movie Inside Out in June of 2015. The movie begins with 11-year-old Riley and her parents moving from a town in Minnesota to San Francisco. Inside Riley's mind, we see her emotions, joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear. All five emotions live in the control center, also known as headquarters, where they help guide Riley through everyday life. The life-altering move causes chaos in Riley's mind. Struggles present themselves left and right, and turmoil hits headquarters. Joy and sadness find themselves on a journey through Riley's mind in order to help mend things before they get worse. Without spoiling too much, Riley and her emotions realize they can experience more than one emotion at a time, even when forming memories. And actually, the memories that are formed with more than one emotion are stronger than ever before. This discovery restores headquarters and allows Riley's emotions to work together smoothly easing the conflict that was present before. 
Like Riley and her emotions, Naomi's life has taken a major turn. At the beginning of this chapter, a famine forced Naomi, her husband, and two sons to move from Bethlehem to Moab. While there, Naomi's husband dies, with her two sons dying just 10 years later. Naomi is heartbroken. Her family is dead. She recognizes both her social and financial statuses are not in good place, not in a good place without the men in her life. Somehow though, in the midst of this despair, Naomi finds the strength to make the journey back to Bethlehem with Ruth by her side. The two women travel 50 miles through steep and rugged terrain. Approximately the same distance it takes us to travel from Richmond to Williamsburg. While this journey for us isn't long, taking only approximately an hour's time with traffic or no traffic, some people travel this amount for their daily commute. However, for Naomi and Ruth, this journey was walked by foot and took seven to ten days. Once Naomi and Ruth reach Bethlehem, they're greeted by the women who knew Naomi before she moved. Listen to what Naomi's speech to the women might have sounded like if she spoke it today. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Almighty has caused me pain. I left Bethlehem full of life. Now, now the Lord has brought me back with nothing. Why should you call me Naomi when the Lord has harmed me? The Almighty has ruined me. Naomi doesn't sugarcoat how she's feeling or the events that have happened in her life, not to the women and certainly not to God. She even goes as far as changing her name from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter. Maybe this name change is a way for Naomi to say, she can't hold all of her emotions anymore. She is so upset with God and the events that have happened in her life that carrying anything but pain seems impossible. She can only be the bitterness or pain that she feels. It's Sunday, August 28, 2005, and New Orleans mayor has just issued a mandatory evacuation order. A Category 5 hurricane is coming, and it's coming fast. Her name is Katrina. Nearly 80% of the city evacuates. For those without the means to leave, the city's Superdome becomes the main place of shelter. Others decide to stay in the comfort of their own homes. And at 6 a.m. the next morning, August 29th, Katrina makes landfall with the eye of the storm just missing New Orleans. While some think the city is safe, this could not be further from the truth. Because the average elevation of New Orleans is six feet below sea level, high flood walls called levees were built to keep the water from Lake Pontchartrain on the north and the Mississippi River on the south out of the city. The storm surge from Katrina causes the levees to break in multiple areas. Katrina's waters quickly spread, flooding 70 to 80% of the city, with some neighborhoods being 20 feet underwater. 
Katrina leaves the city with no electricity, no clean water, no cell service, and no way out. 15,000 residents venture from their homes to the Superdome, bringing the total to 25,000 people sheltering in this metal dome during the heat of summer. Food is running out, medical supplies are vanishing, and the temperatures are rising to 90 degrees and above, plus humidity. Four days pass before the National Guard finally comes to evacuate people out of the city. Fast forward 13 years from that, and I had just moved from my hometown in Nebraska to New Orleans. It was, a t it was time for me to start my year as a Presbyterian young adult volunteer, also known as YAV. For the next year, I would live with six other volunteers, work at an adult education program, and give a lasting piece of my heart to the city. While I could speak for hours about my time in the city, I want to focus on what happened just two days after arriving in the city, the anniversary of Katrina, a day that has been recognized each year since the disaster hit. At some point during the day, I began a casual conversation with a gentleman next to me on the public bus. When we began talking about how our day was going, he shared something that would stick with me forever. He told me he was having a bad day and that he was experiencing Katrina flashbacks. Evacuation before Katrina wasn't an option for him. And as he made his journey from his home to the Superdome after Katrina had hit, he witnessed a dead body floating in the water around him. His experience was traumatic. 13 years ago, what he witnessed, he'll never forget. And yet, here he was, bringing his whole self to our conversation. Mind you, a young woman who had, he had never met before. <laughs> and he brought his whole self to our conversation, even though it would have been easier for him to say, good, after I asked him how he was doing. He allowed his emotions to be present when he spoke. Emotions like anger, sadness, fear, and maybe just a sliver of joy for living to see another day. Naomi uses four vivid words to describe God's actions towards her, four phrases with powerful meaning behind them, which produce clear imagery as to how Naomi is feeling at this point. God dealt bitterly with me, brought me back empty, dealt harshly with me, and brought calamity upon me. Naomi is bringing her complete, authentic self to the women and to God, just like the man did on the bus. Even when this authentic self includes anger, blame, and emptiness. I can only speak for myself, but there have been times in my life when turning to God in anger has produced an incredible amount of shame. I'll be the first to admit that I tend to suppress the emotion anger, especially when it comes to my relationship with God. We learn and believe that God is the producer of abundant, everlasting love, and a God that we can turn to during the devastations of life. Why would we want to turn to God in anger? And would turning to God in anger make someone less of a Christian? 
Richard Rohr states that knowing or deep knowing and presence do not happen with our thinking minds. To truly know something, our whole being must be open, awake, and present. If we think about this quote with regards to our relationship with God, we cannot truly know God unless we bring our open self to God. In openness, that means having every emotion and feeling present. Naomi is the perfect example of this relationship. In our passage, we see Naomi angry with God. She seems to be at her all-time low when it comes to her faith, but she still pushes forward while showing God her whole self. If we fast forward to look at chapter 4 in the book, Ruth marries Boaz, and they have a son. The women of Bethlehem describe this son, Naomi's grandson, as being Naomi's restorer of life and a nourisher of her old age. Verse 17 says, They named the son Obed, and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. At the end of Ruth, Naomi becomes part of King David's genealogy. This is quite the major turnaround of events compared to our passage today. The motto during my volunteer year in New Orleans was seeking God in the tension of life's sorrows and celebrations. Since the 19th century, African Americans in New Orleans have been celebrating during their sorrows of life. Slaves took Sundays off as holy days. These days would be spent full of music, dance, food, and community. This tradition was transformed and is now called something called second lines, which most commonly take place following a funeral. Funeral attendees follow a small marching band around the neighborhood to celebrate the life of the person who had just passed. This is the epitome of embracing life's sorrows and celebrations. Naomi also does this. If we look at the original Hebrew of the text, she calls God Yahweh, meaning Lord, and Shaddai, meaning the Almighty. Even though Naomi is clearly showing anger towards God, she continues to call God by names that suggest that God is the provider of her care and fortune. The use of Yahweh, which is defined as the covenant name, might indicate that Naomi still has hope in the Lord. She hasn't given up quite yet. Hearing Naomi use the Almighty might suggest that Naomi still views God as the God of Israel, the one who is in control. Knowing both the names, the meanings of these names, teaches us that it is possible to continue praising God even when feeling bitter or angry towards them. What would it look like if we showed our whole selves to God, just like Naomi did? What would it look like to be a community that receives and honors all feelings? Even when we invite people into our lives, we still tend to clean up a little before showing ourselves to others. What if we didn't do that? Jesus knew life wasn't easy, and he still invited people to bring their whole selves to him when saying, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, Come to me after you get yourself together, and I will give you rest. No, 
He encouraged his followers to bring their entire being to find God in the tension of life's sorrows and celebrations. May we do the same. Amen.